Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. All right, film geeks, today we're talking about The Blackening, a new satire horror comedy. Let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. And today we're going to talk about the blackening. The normal intro stuff I do, like what's going on in my life, where have I been, all of that was in Elemental. So I did a double feature yesterday. I saw Elemental at three and then the blackening at six. So all of that extra stuff, if you're even curious as to why there wasn't an episode last week, go to Elemental. I talk about all of that there and I don't feel like saying it all again. So we're just going to jump straight into it. I have been looking forward to this movie since A Good Person came out. I think that was March. I came out of the movie theater. It was early afternoon on a Friday and I walked right past the poster and I lost my ever loving mind. I cracked up, which was great because I just got, you know, I just finished crying. Good Person is a movie with Florence Pugh, Morgan Freeman. I have a review of that somewhere on here. And, oh, I've been looking forward to this for months. Been looking forward to it. Could not wait. And it's on my birthday week. My birthday was a couple days ago. So I was like, yeah, this would be an amazing treat. Uh, It's satire, horror, comedy, a la Wes Craven, scream kind of deal. Could not wait. There's even a reference to Wes Craven in this movie, which I thought was kind of sweet. I don't know if that was intentional, but yeah. Um, Because this movie kind of falls into his kind of realm of things with, you know, it being comedy, horror, satire, kind of making fun of old tropes and rules and just the, the genre in general. But does it kind of live up to that? That's the question. Now it's getting great. It's getting great reviews. It has like an 82% rating on Rotten Tomatoes last time I checked. But here's the thing though. This is something that I've learned and I'm just going to put it out there. And I've said this before, but it's been a while that when it comes to black films, I tend to take what um, critics say with a grain of salt. Why? Because black films are not judged fairly. And by not judged fairly, I mean, they're not held to the same standard that other films are held to. And I mean, they're kind of like not the bigotry of low expectations. It's kind of somewhere in that realm with a little bit of fear. I think a lot of critics are afraid to be 100% honest about black 
films. And it's been like this, I want to say since at least about 2016. This is how long I've noticed with the movie, The Birth of Birth of a Nation, Nate Parker's movie, Birth of a Nation. Um, that movie was just not that great. Yet, you know, critics were like, oh my God, this is an, a new epic slave drama. It's amazing. It's so beautiful. Like that movie was so flat, so boring. The acting was terrible. It was heavy handed, ham fisted. It just wasn't that good. And I'm like, what are y'all talking about? Like, uh, like the, there was an opportunity to tell an amazing story about a very complicated character in history. And he kind of just failed. He decided, I just want to tell this my way. And that's how the audience was going to take it. And it just didn't work for me. So ever since then, I, I've noticed that um, critics tend to shy away from being completely honest about black films so when it comes to like seeing what critics actually think about black films i always go to the negative reviews because those are the ones that are going to be completely completely honest um not to say that they're always going to say all the negative things about the movie but they're going to tell you everything they're going to give you every little detail so i i'm i caution you when you go to the theater and you say, oh, it's got such positive reviews. Just keep in mind, this is a Black film and critics are general, generally afraid to really critique Black films fairly. So when I saw this had such a high rating, I got a little nervous. I'm like, crap, this might not be very good. Because when critics say, oh, a Black film, it's great. It's usually not. The only people who get a fair shake are Tyler Perry and uh, Spike Lee. That's that's about it. Any old heads from the 80s and the 90s, those directors, yeah, they get a fair shake because they've been around a while. You know, there is an auteuristic character about who they are as directors that that's just a little more honest. So they, they get that critique. Um, these newer guys coming out, not so much. Everyone kind of gets panned. No one wants to say anything too negative. Nobody wants to be accused of being a racist. So. If what I have to say doesn't quite match up with what critics are saying, it's because I hold black films to the same standard. If anything, I think I hold some of them to a higher standard because I want excellence. I want excellence. I want excellent black cinema. We used to have it. You go back to like the 90s and the 80s, black films were excellent. Excellent. There was a standard of excellence that's kind of lost its way a little bit um, where that excellence has been re replaced with a sense of entitlement, where we get these mediocre efforts from black directors, particularly black female directors. I say particularly because it's been a lot of black female directors as of late who don't feel like they have to produce the real effort to make a film great, almost like, you know, just being black and just having a black story is enough. I think of the movie Till, where the only really redeeming quality of, of that movie was Danielle Deadweiler's performance. And it's very clear that the director put all of her effort into that performance and let everything go by the wayside and then had the audacity to be like, why wasn't I nominated for a bastard? Ma'am, you only did one thing well, and that was to direct your lead. You fell flat on everything else. That's a bit of a rant, right? there. I could go on and on and on forever. But my thing is, when it comes to Black films, I expect excellence. I want excellence. I want us to be excellent in cinema and in film because we can and because we are. And I want to reintroduce that standard and stop giving mediocrity a pass. And I just want to kind of put that out there. So getting into 
the blackening. So I had high expectations going into this because I'm like, it's a satire horror comedy. Um, the premise in and of itself is just funny and enough to draw a lot of different kinds of people in. Because remember, this whole idea that the black people die first in a film, this is not just, you know, a black people joke. This is a horror joke. So this is a joke that people of all different ethnicities and backgrounds, we make and we laugh about it and it's funny and it's, you know, is it really that common in film? Actually, no, not at all. <laughs> but I think it happened one time and it was enough. Someone was like, man, the black people had to die first. And then it kind of rolled from there. So this movie, what is this about? So this is all centered around a kind of Juneteenth college reunion be between a group of friends who decide they want to rent a cabin out in the middle of the woods and, you know, have a good time, party, play a game of spades, drink, um, get high. It's supposed to be a good time, right? So we have a couple that gets there first. They secure the cabin, make sure thing, make sure everything's good. Food's there, decorations, everything's ready for when the party arrives. And that's where our story kind of starts. So a very typical kind of horror movie slasher um, intro that we've seen before, mainly in a lot of Wes Craven's Scream franchise, where we get kind of that intro to what this is going to be. So we have either a couple or a person who's kind of the, the sacrificial lamb, so to speak. They're going to get the ball rolling, getting get our anxiety up, give us something to look forward to in the film. And that's, you know, immediately I knew that's what it was. So off the bat, I mean, the formula is very formula. It's very formulaic. We've seen this before. There's nothing new, innovative about the way this this story is structured. We've seen this before. So don't go into it expecting something brand new. You've seen this before and that's part of the charm. That's part of the satire. That's part of the comedy is that we've seen this before, but there's a slight twist to it. So I, I know what this is. I, I know exactly what the intro is. I know what's going to happen. Very predictable from that aspect. But I was starting to get a little worried because the acting at the very beginning was just very contrived. It was a little weak. The suspense just wasn't suspensing. It wasn't building. And the, the, the director in this movie kind of uses the same little motifs over and over and over again to build suspense, which sometimes work, but it, it's not so up. But when it, when, uh, when directors do that, when they use kind of the same motifs over and over again, there's almost kind of a, a, a subtlety to it. There's something connecting about it that when you hear this sound or you see this thing appear or you see this color, you know something bad has happened or something bad is going to happen. It, it ratchets up that anxiety. The director here doesn't quite do that. And it's, I think it's because it's something that's just so cliche, a creaking of the door. There's, you know, I think, again, this is satire, but sometimes satire works in instances and sometimes it doesn't. If anything, this just felt very repetitive. It didn't do what it needed to do, which was to kind of build suspense. Because even though this is satire and it's a comedy, it's still a horror. This still needs to be scary. So it got to the point where hearing a door creak got kind of annoying. It's like, oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. I mean, how many times can we hear a door creak, right? I mean, we, at this point, we already know somebody's in the house. Okay, we don't need to hear the door creaking. Um, th there sometimes has to be a, a fourth wall moment for the audience where we know what's going on, but they don't. And, and he couldn't quite separate the two. We had to all be in these moments together. There were things he was trying to do that just didn't quite work. It just didn't work, which is weird because this director's not new. But I think this is kind of a new little venture for him in terms of horror. This is not something he's really done before. He has done Fantastic Four and he's done Barbershop. 
So when I talk about like black film excellence, Barbershop is on that list. So this is the guy who directed Barbershop. So in terms of crafting a story and, you know, directing a cast, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, he knows what he's doing. So the beginning, the acting was a little off. It was a little contrived, kind of flat, kind of boring. I was getting a little worried. It wasn't scary. This is the kind of intro where, you know, things start to just mess with you a little bit. And it just wasn't doing that. And having watched Scream earlier this year, this really kind of fell flat. So we get into that happening and our, we, our first two characters, we don't know what's going on with them. And then we get into the meat of the story where, you know, our, you know, our main characters are starting to arrive to the cabin, driving conversation in the car, very typical. And we're starting to get to know these characters a little bit more and not just get to know who they are, but also get to know who they are in relation to their blackness. Cause that's what this movie's about. Right. And, um, I think there was more satire in this movie than they, um, initially intended there to be. I think this movie really really speaks to how black people see themselves. And I don't think this was supposed to be as introspective as it is, but that's a whole separate conversation. We don't have that kind of time. So, and then we're in the car talking and we're still kind of in that flat acting. It's a little contrived. I'm just not feeling it. I'm getting nervous because y'all, I've been looking forward to this movie for months. If there was, if there's any movie that has come out that I'm like, I'm gung-ho, I'm ready to go. Oh my God, I can't wait. It was this movie. Like I have been looking forward to this all week and it's not living up to expectations and I'm starting to get nervous. And it's, it's, it's still like that. We're another 10 minutes in and our characters are starting to come in and our characters are just very loud in their personalities and the caricatures that they're portraying and I understand the purpose behind that within the genre but it just isn't working um it's it's just not working <laughs> I don't know how else to make it make sense it just wasn't working and then we get to the scary part fast forward through all that mess and it's kind of stupid it's kind of dumb and it's flat then we get into the scary part and that's when it starts to shine that's when it picked up and that's when I'm like oh yeah here comes the roller coaster and it was good. And then it went, then it lulled. And then it was great. And then it lulled. So this movie's highly inconsistent in terms of execution. It's a little unbalanced in terms of acting and story. Now, I mentioned a bit how this director knows what to do with a cast. When the actors are kind of doing their own thing as actors, they might, you know, just having normal dialogue or just showing off their own personalities. It's a little weird. It's a little awkward, a little cringy. But when these actors are working together as a unit, when they're truly an ensemble on the screen, it's golden. It's so much fun. So once we get to the part where it gets a little scary and it gets funny and it gets actually funny, it's a roller coaster ride. This is great entertainment. Now, again, the movie is a little unbalanced, a little uneven. The execution is inconsistent. But there are moments of this where if you don't see this in theaters, you are definitely missing out. Um, spoiler alert. There is a moment with the O'Reilly jingle. And my God, what an ex- it's stuff like that that makes the theater so wonderful. Um yeah, so I don't even know how to make any of this make sense. So yeah, the beginning just didn't do it for me. And then we get kind of into the the client where the story starts to build a little bit. And that's where it really hit off for me. And I couldn't stop laughing. It was too funny. Um, the movie's not really all that scary, but it, it's it's hilarious in parts. Some of it's a little relatable. Some of it's kind of, you know, hyperbolic. But that's satire for you. It's, it's supposed to magnify and make things a little more extreme, right? So it's, oh, I feel like I'm not explaining any of this very well. Ugh. I enjoyed the movie, 
But there were moments where I was very disappointed. And I felt like if the director had taken more time to really craft these characters, you know, learn a little bit more about what it means and what it looks like to build suspense, this would have been an absolute perfect film. But it just kind of missed the mark on that. However, it's so damn entertaining. All of that is kind of easy to ignore. It's easy to forget, okay, the beginning didn't do it for me because this middle has me leaning over in my seat, barrel laughing. So it's so funny. It's so funny. It's a lot of fun. It's a good roller coaster ride of a movie, a great theater experience. Um, the acting is a little off when they're by themselves, but as an ensemble, they're, 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 they're amazing. They're amazing. Now, my issue with some of the characters, though, because each character represents its own stereotypes, and maybe this is a genre thing, but it just bugs me a little bit. And Jordan Peele did this a bit in the movie Nope, because instead of having like actual characters with their own distinct stories and personalities, he just had the actors playing a personality. So, you know, Kiki Palmer was just very loud, obnoxious, and slightly ghetto. And then you had Daniel Daniel Kaluuya, who was kind of quiet, reserved, and just a little drawn. Like they were just playing into those personalities instead of playing actual characters. And we're seeing this a little bit here where you had, I think her name was like Shanika, was, you know, just typical loud black and ghetto and saying the N word like in every other sentence. And then you had your gay black man who was a little extra flamboyant and um, sassy. You know, he was the GBF really playing into that. And you had your kind of intellectual bougie black woman who didn't quite no, she did. She did. She played into that. We find out later that she's a lawyer. You know, then you had your kind of um, your whitewashed black guy who was just probably the biggest caricature. I think this really speaks to how the director and the writers view blackness. This is where I was talking about. It really speaks. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. ...to how um, black people see themselves and what they view to be that what many view to be valid and invalid in terms of what blackness is and it obviously it's clear that any black person who's not quite up to that level of blackness is a clown in their eyes and so you have your your whitewashed character who is just to the extreme everyone else is you know walking the line of some kind of reality but they took your whitewash character and they made it so extreme so extreme to the point that it was very obvious from the get-go that he was the bad guy sorry spoiler alert so (laughs) um there was no subtlety to it at all there was no nuance there was nothing realistic about it um just a lot of ignorance on the part of the writers and then that ignorance kind of translates into the rest of the characters. So you kind of knew where this was going from the very beginning. It, it wasn't a shock or a surprise. It was very a very predictable ending. So who's in this movie? So this is directed by Tim Story. I didn't even get to that part. So yeah, directed by Tim Story, um, written by Tracy Oliver, Dwayne Perkins, So Tracy Oliver, just looking at some of the things she's also done, The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl, which is, I guess, a television series that was short-lived, The Neighbors, Survivor's Remorse. She was a writer for First Wives Club and Harlem. She was also a writer on Barbershop, The Next Cut. I don't think Tim Story directed that one. No, this was Malcolm D. Lee. I like Barbershop, too. Good movie. Girls Trip. Trip, Little, The Sun is also a star, and then also The Blackening. Dwayne Perkins, I believe, is one of the actors. Yep, he plays Dwayne. He is the sassy, black, gay guy in this movie. And he's a graduate of DePaul University. You go, sir. And as far as tell um, his roles, he's also written for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's also re- he actually was one of the writers for um, what this movie is based on, which is a short film called The Blackening. Three Pete presents The Blackening. Um, he was on Wild and Out. He was also a writer on The Amber Rufflin Show, a writer for Clue and Chopped and Screwed, which, you know, these are things that are up and coming for him. As far as film goes, um, he was in Roundabout American Animals, followed the Bobby Roberts Project. And so, yeah, these are people who have been around for a, for a, for a good while and, this also stars Grace Byers, Jermaine, Jermaine Fowler, Melvin Gregg, X Mayo, Antoinette Robertson, um, Sonequa Walsh, Sonequa Walls, Jay Farrow, and Yvonne Orji. 
So, a nice stacked cast. A lot of these seem like newcomers. I haven't heard these names before. Uh, probably in a lot of black television that I just don't watch. And I know that sounds sad. You have uh, Grace Byers, who was in Bent. She was also in the show called Empire. Yeah, I've never watched Empire. I'm sorry. My bad. I don't know what to tell you. I feel like some of these people looked familiar, but I've just never seen them before. Goodness. I, I need to I need to catch up on some things, clearly. Yeah, no one looked familiar to me. So these were a lot of new people. Not so much new, but just people who have done some smaller, maybe slightly unseen things. And this really is starting to bring them to the forefront. So I think this is a great opportunity for more Black actors to kind of put themselves out there and show that, hey, we're more than just these small television types, small tele- small film roles. I think there's an opportunity for Black cinema to explode here. There's growth here. There's growth and potential here. Um, I would love to see another effort with these same three people. I know that sounds weird. It's probably unlikely, but I think there's definitely potential here. I think they could probably do a sequel. I would love to see a sequel. I would love to see a sequel. I'd love to see the growth and improvement. I think they could do more with this. I think there's potential here for a sequel. So uh, yeah, that that's pretty much what I have to say about it. What else can I tell you? It's hilarious. It's barrel rolling kind of fun. It really is an opportunity to kind of laugh at ourselves. And I think that's what I really enjoyed about it most because these are the kinds of jokes we used to make all the time and it wasn't that big of a deal that we could really kind of laugh at ourselves and laugh at the stereotypes and make fun of one another. And it wasn't such a big thing. It wasn't enough to get somebody canceled. I think having this film here in 2023 is so refreshing. It's kind of a breath of fresh air in that way. I miss these moments where we could just laugh at one another. Now, I know I'm going to have some white people um ask me, can I see this? Absolutely. 100%. It's hilarious. It's so much fun. Um, I don't think there's anything in here that would go over your head. I think there's a lot in here that everyone has heard at least once. But I think for anyone, you know, having grown up in whatever aspect of the black community you grew up in, there's something in here you're going to find relatable, something that someone has said, something someone has done, whether it's, you know, you know, playing the game of spades or you me being like me and I don't know how to play spades. I've played spades before, but I can never remember how to play. And that's part of my problem. And also the part of the problem with spades is that no one teaches you how to play spades. You have to watch and then hope you pick it up. And I love that they brought that in there because that's a problem and it gets on my nerves. So it's little things like that, talking about black television, black history, uh, there was a question because they go downstairs and they end up playing the game, the blackening kind of Jumanji style. And they have to answer questions. And one of these was like, who is Sojourner Truth? And it's like, was she an abolitionist and a women's rights activist? Was she a something B? And then was she Harriet Tubman? Like stuff, stupid stuff like that. That was just a little too funny. And, you know, how many black actors were on Friends and, um, you know, just little horror movie tropes that are just too funny. Like, oh, we have to split up. Just the stuff like that, making fun of the genre as a whole, but also making fun of Black culture in a way that we p- people can't make fun of Black culture right now. Th- this, this movie kind of creates a safe space for us to really kind of dig into some of the things within our community that deserve a little bit of shame. Just a little bit. And I hope this kind of opens up the door for us to really talk about these things in a way that we can have wider conversations. So 
I mean, the movie is definitely worth the price of admission. It's a little unbalanced. The acting is kind of, uh, it's a little inconsistent with the direction and the writing. Um, at times the writing was very cringe. Um, it, it, especially in the very beginning, because it was like they wanted us to know, make sure we understood how black these people were. And maybe that's just a personal gripe because like, I don't need all of that. But it, it was like they tried to take every ounce, every single black piece of slang they could find and stuff it into the dialogue. For what? And it was kind of cringe. It was a little awkward. So yeah, it has those moments, but it is so funny. It's good fun great entertainment. This is the kind of movie you see in theaters. Um, I, I will always be an advocate for the theater, like going to the movies and taking the time to watch the movie the way it was meant to be seen. But then, then you have movies where it's not just about the way the movie was meant to be seen, but the way the movie was designed to be experienced. This was designed to be experienced in a large crowd with a room full of strangers, having those little moments of connection with the people next to you. That's what movie. That's what this movie kind of creates in a theater setting. And it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's wonderful. It's, I love that part of it, of it all. So highly recommend buying a ticket, going to see it. Let me know what you thought when you go see it. Um, I, this honestly, I can't say this a lot about a lot of movies that I've seen this year. I would see this again. I'm probably going to see this again. Welcome to the parental unit. And that's what I'm calling this segment until y'all can help me come up with a better name for it. So this is going to be the part of the podcast where I answer a lot of the questions that parents have when it comes to taking their families and their children to the movies. Questions about violence, sexuality, drug use, language. Did I say violence? I don't even remember. So stuff like that. Because, you know, we have a rating system, you know, G, PG, PG-13, R, NC-17, there used to be an X rating, but I think that's gone by the wayside. Um, you have different websites that mention a lot of these things from different perspective, where whether it's parental perspective or a Christian perspective. But as you know, I do have a following and a lot of my followers are parents and I want to be a resource for them because why not? I think it's that's be a good idea. So this will be the part of the podcast where I answer some of those questions. Basically, is this appropriate for my kid? Now, this movie is rated R. It is a horror comedy. So yes, it's funny, but it is a horror movie. Now, I've been watching horror movies since I was a very little girl, like five or six years old, but I also grew up in the 90s. And things are just a little bit different now. Parents are parenting differently. Like my mom at the age of like eight or nine years old would just drop me off at the movie theater and then, you know, go do something for her. Like that was normal for me. You know, she could do stuff like that. It wasn't that big of a deal. And it was fun for me. I was a kid that could do that. That being said, you know your child. So you know what your child can handle. You know what your child can't handle. Now, your 12-year-old might not be able to handle a horror movie, but your 7-year-old can. And it was very much like that for my household. I was all about scary movies. My brother, who's five and a half years younger than me, absolutely not. Like, he had nightmares about Twister. We, yeah, we're, sorry, he listens to my podcast. Bro, I love you. But it's true. And... So that's the first thing I want to tell you is like, you know, your kid, you know what your kid can handle. You know what your kid can't handle. You know what your kid can process. You know what your kid can't process. But I can give you kind of give you kind of a bare bones kind of framework and then you can kind of fill in the lines. Now, this movie is rated R for a reason, which means by the MPAA standards, this is not appropriate for children. If you take your children, um, no 
theater is going to let you in, let a kid in without parental supervision. At least they're not supposed to. That's kind of the standard, the rule for most theaters. So based on the rating, this is not appropriate for kids. Now, what I would say, just having watched the movie, this movie is definitely not appropriate for anyone under the age of 10. Um, If your child is between the ages of 11 and 13, uh, use discretion. I think a kid between the ages of 14 and 17, I think they'll be all right. Um, Yes, there is violence because clearly this is a slasher film. So there's a bit of blood. The weapon of choice here is a crossbow. Kind of cool. There's racism involved, but it's, it's comedy, right? Satirical comedy. So it's not like overt offensive racism. It's the kind of racism you can laugh at. Uh, Language. Yeah, uh, we have a character. Her whole shtick is that she uses the N-word a lot. So you have that kind of language, your regular curse words, a lot of sexual innuendo, um, kind of, you know, nothing's there are no sex scenes here, but there are, um, you know, where it kind of alludes to characters having sex or using perverse language kind of deal. So that exists there. But for the most part, um, viewer discretion is advised. This is not appropriate for your elementary age kid. Use discretion with your middle schooler. I think your high schooler would be all right. But, you know, you can follow that rating system as you will. Rated R, not appropriate for anyone under the age of 17 unless supervised by an adult. But that's my shtick on it. You know your kid. No, that's the best, best advice I can give you. Know your kid. And I hope that helps. Let me know. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to me rant and rave about another movie that was The Blackening, directed by Tim Story. So just to sum it up, sum it up, just to sum it all up, I thought it was just a little unbalanced and inconsistent, but it's a hell of a ride of a movie. It's so much fun and totally worth a ticket. If you're going to see this movie, you need to see it in theaters with a full theater. So definitely, you know, an evening or matinee kind of movie over the weekend. And yeah, that's about it. So what's coming up? So I mentioned this in Elemental. I'm just going to talk about it again here. Next week is going to be a little different. I'm hoping, 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 cross our fingers that I can see um, The Flash maybe Sunday night and just, you know, see all the major movies. And then what I'm probably going to end up doing is giving you that review as an episode for next Friday. So I am going to be out of town. I live in New Orleans, for those who don't know. I'm going up to Oklahoma to visit some friends. Um for most of next week so I won't be able to go to the movies like I normally do the plan is to go to the movies like on a Sunday the Sunday I come back I actually come back on a Saturday but I'll be home Sunday so that's the plan is to go to the movies on that day um so yeah that's the uh that's the plan for next week so I'll be out of town it's going to be a little bit wonky in terms of episodes movies I'm planning on seeing what at least one or two of these movies I'm planning on seeing when I come back on Sunday is either No Hard Feelings and or Asteroid City so the No Hard Feelings is the comedy with Jennifer Lawrence I'm actually kind of looking forward to that because I adore her and then the Wes Anderson film he's kind of a hit or miss for me I either like his movies or I don't there's no in between his style is just very distinct and I either jive with it or I don't so yeah that that's what's happening there and then the very next week is indiana jones which had its premiere a couple of weeks ago in france i believe isn't that where cans canes cons oh gosh i should know how to pronounce this stuff so yeah that's coming out in a couple of weeks that'll kind of end the month of june for us and then july starts and oh my gosh i can't wait for insidious that comes out fourth of july week 
looking forward to it. I don't think there's any major movie coming out on the 4th of July, which is never not, which is not, which is fun. I love 4th of July movies, but none this year that I know of. So yeah, and then we get into July movies and July is packed, y'all. Barbie, Oppenheimer, Mission Impossible. Oh, I can't wait. A lot of big blockbustery kind of films. Um, so yeah, I mean, June has been stacked, July is stacked, and then August, it kind of, you know, evens out a little bit, and then we kind of wade into spooky and Oscar season. This year is going by so fast, y'all. But that's what you've got to look forward to. That's what I have to look forward to. Let me know what you thought of The Blackening. If you saw it, help me come up with the name for the little parental unit corner of my podcast. I need something cute and clever. I'm also considering renaming this whole podcast. All right, let's talk about it. It's fun. It's kind of a shtick that I did on TikTok, kind of unintentionally. So it's just something to kind of transition me into doing the review. But I, I know, know that title doesn't exactly um really represent what this podcast is so i may I'm, i've been thinking about possibly changing the name i just don't know what to so any suggestions would be helpful anyways i love you all greatly i hope you have an amazing weekend if you go to the movies let me know what you saw let me know what you thought and i will see you next time Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.